Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. As you probably already know, we did not have a podcast for last Sunday, and I'm going to try to get that up and running very quickly. We're recording on Sunday night on March the 15th, and I did a little sort of interstitial just to let everybody know that we were missing a podcast. And if you listen to it, you know I have a bird. So the bird showed up in in the little interstitial. Yes, it did. And I was too rushed to actually re-record it. So there you go. My bird's name is Clyde. And he was a gift from my oldest daughter. There you go. Now all my secrets are out. Oh, boy. We thought we'd start today with just the elephant in the room, which is the effects of the coronavirus individually and communally. I can say that it's been very weird for me. I went to a spin class yesterday at the YMCA in Hollywood, and that was canceled after I got there. Then subsequent to that, all the rest of my classes have been canceled at the Y. I don't know what else in my life could be canceled that has more than five people in a room. Oh, right. Group activities. Group activities. Yeah. yeah, it's heavy duty. How about you? Well, I'm, most of my experience of it is through where I work at this big university. And uh, we held a big event last week where we flew in students from all over the country, oh, wow. about 17, to come and check out our program, see if they want to join our graduate program. And we were looking at canceling it. But at the time that it was happening, not a lot of rules had been put out about limiting group activities and flying and travel and all of that. So we got it in just under the wire. We the, we held our events on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And on that day, our chancellor, who up to that point had been putting out emails saying there are no cases of coronavirus on the campus, so proceed as normal. But then on that last Wednesday came the email, oh, we're canceling all of our classes through April 11th. Oh. Not canceling them, but we're mo- migrating them to be online. online. And I had a meeting on Friday with people from my department, about 11 people, and we decided to do it through Zoom. So we all were on our own, except that I was in a room at work with two other people from the meeting because we just thought it would be more fun. So it's definitely affecting the way I work and the whole scene there. And then I have performances. My precious performances are all being canceled. So I won't be singing Mac the Knife in German on March 29th at the Wilshire Ebell Theater, but it will be rescheduled, will so be stay rescheduled. tuned. And I have a story event on March 24th that's called off. I have another one coming up April 2nd that I think is going to get called off. So it's all looking very real, you know. Very real. Yes, I have a flight to New York. Oh, right, in May. For May. So we'll see if anything shakes loose with that. Right. I have insurance. I always get flight insurance. Oh, good. No, it's it's very funky. It's just such a weird time because we're we're at that phase where nobody has it yet. Almost nobody. Well, we don't know anyone who has it. No, but the models say that once it starts climbing, it's going to climb very steeply. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the picture's going to change week by week. And I have a very fatalistic view of it. My a friend of mine called him was very nervous and worried about it, and he works at a school also in LAUSD. My view is it seems like it's hyper contagious, very hard to avoid, and so I'm assuming I'm going to get it. But I'm going to assume that I'm going to survive it. I'm going to be one of the 90-some percent who survive it. I feel kind of fatalistic about my own prospects. I feel the same way. I, I feel like if I get it, I'll get over it. I'm so convinced I'm going to get it. And I'm so glad I'm no longer a Christian scientist. Because, <laughs> oh my God, I would be driving myself nuts right now trying to think the right thoughts to help me avoid what they would call the mental contagion. 
And there is kind of a hypnotic effect, I think, of a groupthink. But I'm just glad I don't have to worry about my thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you can understand that, but if anyone who's been a Christian scientist will get what I'm talking about. I have never been a Christian scientist. (laughs) Don't you want to try it? But I get what you're talking about. (laughs) Sound fun. Uh, No, it sounds absolutely awful. Actually, well, the hypnosis seems to be about toilet paper. Oh, that's true. Anything else? I mean, that's true. Panics, Not in Christian Science. We did no. never talked about toilet paper. At least you use toilet paper, <laughs> and we still use it. Okay, good. God's perfect child does not need toilet paper, <laughs> but we allow it. But in the interim, until we've demonstrated full spirituality. Even my oldest, who doesn't need toilet paper, ordered 24 rolls from Amazon. Oh, my God. And I said, well, you have a rather small apartment in right. New York. Where is it? And she said, it's in the living room. Oh, where do they store it? Yeah. It's so the it's centerpiece just in the living of the room. whole house now. <laughs> Come, let's sit around the toilet paper and have a little chat. <laughs> you could oh, paint it or put funny. flowers in it. Oh. I don't know. I... I'm concerned about the hysteria around this stuff. I don't get the hoarding. I could see if it was an earthquake coming or some kind of natural disaster that was going to shut down electricity and gas and yes. things like that. But we'll see. Time will tell. Maybe we'll be proven to be the be naive the ones who idiots. Like, yes, we'll, we'll be, be the... They'll we'll, have the last laugh. We'll be the little piggies in the straw That's house. Right. That's right. <laughs> oh, we'll see. But it will be interesting to see the progression week by week. It'll be interesting to see also how our government our local and federal government deal with this because right now we have a really strong state government and Gavin Newsom, our governor, is very much on top of this stuff three days ago. Right, right, very proactive. Yep. So I'm not so concerned about us as a state. I am concerned about states that don't have the kind of local government that we have that may find themselves really on the uptick of the of mm-hmm. the virus. Mm-hmm. And that would be terrible. Think of it. Think of the states that turned down the Medicaid expansion. Mississippi. Because they wanted to put a thumb in Obama's eye, basically. Well, Mississippi was, is a, they're, they're Yeah, the, and now they're going to be, they're going to be worse off for it. Yes. Because they made a little political stand based on fundamentally on their, on racism. Right. And wanting to own the libs. Yeah. Yeah. But can we talk for a minute about the article that you sent me about the end of Trump? <laughs> yeah. In the Atlantic. Trump yes. is over. I yes. think it said. Because he's made decisions that are so antithetical to. Well, actually. yeah. And because this is a factual thing that can't be tweeted out of. He can't spin it. He cannot spin it. Exactly. It's an immutable fact. He's been able to play fast and loose with facts and just deny in that Russian propaganda style, yeah, to just deny what's really what we're seeing and then have everybody engage in cognitive dissonance. But he can't make this go away by calling it a bad name. No, no. He tried. He called it the, I think he called it the, the Chinese foreign, virus the Chinese or the foreign virus, virus yes. all of that. Yeah. He tried to demonize the Europeans and locking them out. He's trying to make it a foreign thing. I have a little barometer of what Trump's doing because where I go to get my hair cut, a love woman who cuts my hair, and she's not too political, but three guys that work in that shop, they're Trumpies. They're big-time Trumpies. So I just ignore everything that's happened said politically. But the theory that was floating around this week when I went in there for a haircut was that the Chinese had developed this virus as a, as a biological, biological warfare and set it loose in their country so that it would eventually come over here and kill all of us. 
Why would they set it loose in their own country, though? Does that make any sense? Um, I don't know. Maybe that it escaped. Maybe it, maybe escaped. it escaped. Yeah, that's maybe what that I've was heard. A problem. Yeah, but I mean, anything to take the focus off of Trump's complete mismanagement of it. Well, the point that that article made was that he was treating it as a public relations mm. issue, and it's really. A medical issue. It's, yeah, it's a public health issue. Public medical. health issue. So that was what really sort of clicked it over in my mind is, oh, yes, that's why yes. he's having... And if you talk to people now about it, they'll say, oh, well, I heard Anthony Fauci say this. Or, oh, I heard Anthony Fauci say that. Anthony Fauci is the de facto president right now because there's such a void and such a vacuum yes. because Trump is incapable of providing leadership on this. It would take empathy to be able to wrap your mind around the consequences of a global pandemic of this kind. It would take empathy for how it would affect individual people. He's not capable of that. So he's just not equipped to deal with this at all. But it's kind of interesting how the people who are equipped, who thankfully haven't been fired yet by Trump, are filling the void and people are responding to intelligent leadership. There's a hunger for it. That's that's encouraging. It is encouraging. It's encouraging that people are not listening to, well, the people who listen to Fox News are still listening to Fox right. News. Right, there'll be that thirty percent. But there, even <laughs> even there are people on Fox News who mm-hmm. are saying that this is a legitimate crisis. Right. So it's not all of Fox News that's promoting it, like Sean Hannity and right. Tucker Carlson. Right. We'll this could so do in Trump. I mean, he he could just implode and quit. I think because his precious stock market is tanking. And that was what he had pinned all of his hopes on. You know, I can do anything I want because people's 401ks are looking good. But you know, it goes so far beyond the stock market. It really is the beginning of a global recession. Yeah, or worse. once the airlines and the restaurants and the hotels and all of that, once those go dark, the plays go dark, everything goes dark. Everybody shrinks back into their own little abodes and all they're buying are toilet paper and food. Yeah. Then if we do that for eight weeks, that's eight weeks of lost wages. Yeah. And the people who used to wash the dishes and serve the food and make the food. Right are also not going to be able to spend money on anything but groceries, if that. Yeah, if that. it's amazing. And well, it's also bringing the healthcare inequities to, to the front. Yeah, isn't it just? You know, I see how, for granted, I take my health insurance. But there are a lot of people who have insurance who have it through Obamacare or other means, and their deductibles, because it's early in the year, right. are still very high. All so right. for them, the consequence of going to get a test and then being stuck with a $4,000 bill. Especially if you lose your work over that period. Especially, yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but yeah. that's right. So my youngest was asking me about the recession today and if it was going to be as bad as the um, financial crisis. And my view is that it won't, that it will be deeper, but that it will be not as long-term because... The financial crisis was really about the lack of, just to put it bluntly, money in the banks. Right. The banks didn't have the money that they... To back up the loans they'd made. That's right. I don't know. This other little bit of an article I read said that the last time the stock market had risen 9 points, 9% one day and then dipped back another 9% the next day was in 1931. Oh, <laughs> I know. that's not a good day. That sounds scary. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's going to fall back. I mean, I know that it rose like nine points yeah. from its lowest on, on Thursday yeah. and then it came back up on Friday, but it'll fall again Yeah, just because there's no 
they're there. Right. There's no end in sight. And the markets hate uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Well, we live in interesting times. Huh. I'm going to talk about something completely different. Let's shift. <laughs> I saw two of the four episodes of the Hillary documentary on Hulu. Wow. And it was pretty amazing. It, it starts with her in the present, in the here and now, whenever they filmed it after the election. And, and as she is these days. Mm-hmm. She, to me, is completely vibrant. Her relaxed, usual self, mm-hmm. not her campaign self. Right, right. And they go back to her as a child and show her growing up. And she really comes into her own as a high school student. Mm-hmm. And she went on, I believe she was a valedictorian and was going to give a speech. And the person that they had chosen as a guest speaker was a man. Okay. I don't remember what his designation was right. or what his title was. But one of her school friends said that what he told them was that here they were in the 60s and everything would be fine. You little ladies should just look toward marriage and your real places as homemakers. Hillary Clinton went up after him and extemporaneously gave a speech about a woman's place in the world. Oh, wow. And it got into Life magazine. Wow. It was so impressive. Wow. It shows that she was a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And even when... Bill said he saw her and had seen her speak in class and he wanted to go over to her, but he was afraid to get her attention because he'd just broken up with someone else and Mm. he thought he should be alone, but he was afraid that if he really caught her attention, that it would be a little too much for him, Hmm. that she was just going to be a little too much. Mm. And she was, Mm -hmm. she is. Mm -hmm. And you see in their interactions that, I mean, he's the Rhodes Scholar. He's the one who went to Oxford, I think. So he was the one who was voted the class president. And she always said, no one would ever vote for me as class president Uh because I'm a girl. Oh, right. I'm a girl. And she ran for class president in her high school and the boy got elected. Right. But he turned to her afterwards and said, would you do all this work? Because Uh, he really just wanted to enjoy the perks of it. Right. And she said, sure, I'll do the work because she's interested in the work and the organizational prospects. Right. Right. But that's who she was. She's a true worker bee. Mm -hmm. She's a policy wonk. I didn't watch the latter two episodes, partly because my Hulu, my free Hulu week was about to run out. But Mm. I just, it was getting closer and closer to the election because they're kind of parallel lines. It's her growing up and then... And then you see her going toward the election in 2016. And it was just starting to get up there. I, I ended before the Democratic convention where she was anointed as the, as the, the candidate. I just can't go through that again. Mm. I just can't go through it. But I thought it was amazing. I thought it, it really showed how a woman with such potential yeah. was just bludgeoned by the press and bludgeoned yeah. by yeah. the Washington elite and mm. became what she calls a very private person. I don't know if it's being a private person or that she's a very very guarded person. Maybe they're mm-hmm. one and the same. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But it, it was so worth watching to see that process take place. It's fascinating. I canceled my Hulu and my HBO in anticipation of the downtimes that are coming. <laughs> but you need more entertainment than ever. <laughs> what are you going to watch? Well, I don't know. You know, HBO has let me down. I was so excited when I joined them because they had all these great movies. But nothing has changed much. It's the same stuff. They have a new mini series that yeah. you might like called The Plot Against America. It's based on a Philip Roth book. Oh. And the, the plot of it is FDR didn't win the election. Charles Lindbergh wins the election. Oh, my God. And Charles Lindbergh is completely He's right. He's a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. And the Nazis, we don't go to war, but the Nazis take over oh, in, wow. in the United States. Oh, wow. And so I'm really looking forward to yeah. seeing that. 
The Hillary thing is interesting to me because I've always been receptive and supportive of the whole idea of feminism and women's rights. But I don't think maybe that I don't think I'll just speak for myself and maybe it extrapolates out to others. I don't think as men, we get it intellectually how women have been shut out. But I don't think we really I don't think I've gotten the deep sense of what that felt like what that meant to be held back in the way that women were. Okay. You know, it just, it seemed like equality was a nice thing to strive for. And, but I don't know what it would have felt like to go through your whole life as starting in girlhood, aware that you were being treated as substandard because of your gender and how you deal with that and how you don't turn that into a way of shaming yourself and buying into the culture's bias against women. It's it's um, hard. You need a lot of armor. It's a deep, I think it's a deeper, more painful evolutionary process than I've maybe accounted for. But being gay, you've yes. certainly gone through discrimination. Right. Yeah, I get it on been, that level. And you've been treated as less than. Right, definitely. And and that's where I do have compassion because I what I've really learned is how I embodied the view of the larger culture. So um, I turned on myself, yourself. you know. I see. And I'm sure that women large, that a lot of women have done that. Maybe some still do. You know, going back however long it's been that a woman attached herself to a man in order to have status or protection. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Well, There's a lot of layers. Dear Hillary. God bless her. Yeah. God bless her. On she goes. I mean, she is wounded, but she is indomitable. Yeah. In her own way. Oh, man. You saw something about China. I did. I watched a frontline on Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. I think it's a couple of weeks old, but not that old because it went up through, it had footage of January 2020. It showed the New Year's celebration in Hong Kong in 2020, and it showed the whole evolution of the protest movement starting in, I'd say, January, February of 2019, going all the way through the year, and the hope and the the agony and the ecstasy. You know, there was hope of change, and the protesters became very well organized, and they got very good at how to hide their faces, how to put the right kind of protective gear on so that the The uh, tear tear gas. gas wouldn't immobilize them and all of that. And some of them got arrested, and they were really making progress. But eventually, the big boys in Beijing came and just cracked down. And they arrested, I think, something like 1,700 people in like a day. And so the protest Did that dissuade them? For now. For oh, now. it did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was following it until the whole Wuhan outbreak right. of the it, virus happened. And then, and then it just seemed that... Took it off the radar screen. Well, did they celebrate the, the Lunar New Year? Because that was one of the big upsets of what happened with Wuhan was no one was allowed to travel in or out of that province. Oh. Um, Hubei province, yeah. I think, is the name of it. Wuhan is the city. Right. But that was why people were so upset was it was their one time of year to go and visit relatives who lived in other parts oh, of China. Right. And they couldn't they couldn't move. Yeah. So I guess assuming although of course Hong Kong isn't in mainland isn't on mainland China, so of right. course they would have their own rules and wouldn't have been dissuaded from celebrating the Lunar New Year. Yeah. Well, I still can't wrap my mind around the whole shape of what's going on there, but this special on Frontline is great because it talks to individuals. It picks out about three or four young people who are committed to this process. One had to move to, at the end, they show her she had to move to Taiwan because she was going to be arrested. And she couldn't be an effective protester from jail. 
So she's moved over to Taiwan for now. She's separated from her family and can't see them and all of this. But you see the passion and you see the purity of this movement. You know, they, they simply want democracy. Well, it was. It started out as being a movement of the people in the city. I mean, weren't there like a third of the city came out at one point for one of the early marches? I guess so. I don't recall a percentage, but they a lot of them came out, and it was set off. And I think we've talked about this before. It was set off by this law that was passed. Yeah. That said, if you were arrested in Hong Kong, you would be extradited to Beijing. Uh, yeah, for for your processing and, and trial. And that's what set it off because that that was too much of an invasion into the freedom that they've enjoyed. In well, Hong not Kong. only that, but you go to Beijing, you may not return. Oh, absolutely. Bad things happen to people who yeah. go to Beijing, yeah. so, especially dissidents. Yeah. But it's a great special because it, it just helps you understand a little bit the shape of it all and the sadness of how, you know, the big guns were finally brought in. And right now it looks like the big machine of China is winning, but um, huh. these people are, they're determined and they, they're determined to act quickly because it's only 20 some years before Hong Kong is scheduled to go completely back into China's orbit and not have it. it, it right now it's what do they call it. One country, two systems. Yes. But soon after 2040 something, it will be one country, one system. Yes. China wants nothing more than to co-opt what they see as the economic life of Hong Kong, although Hong Kong's been in a bad recession for a while now. I didn't know that either, but they pointed it out. I didn't know that. It's hard to imagine the people of the city of Hong Kong. They've lasted an awfully long time Mm -hmm. with these protests, and it seemed to go more and more toward the students who were really Mm -hmm. the hardcore revolutionaries who wouldn't let it go and were at the forefront of the protests, ultimately. But I just can't imagine that Beijing would let Hong Kong live under a different rule. Yeah. There's some disagreement, too, pointed out in Hong Kong about whether the protest is the right mode, the right thing to do. So it's not like all the people of Hong Kong are on the same page. There's like two camps. And it ties in a lot to the show I've been watching about the French Revolution, where you had this one camp called the Girondins, and they were more reasonable. They were more kind of like, we want to have change, but we don't want it to be so radical that it upsets the whole apple cart. We, okay. we want change, but we want some respect for the old ways versus the Jacobins who were like, no, we have to go 100% full-on democracy. It's got to be all or nothing. Kind of like Bernie and <laughs> It's and very Joe. much like Bernie and Joe. It's the measured approach versus the more radical. And they're, they're distrustful of each other because the radicals see that reasonable reasonable put my own positive judgment about it that they see the uh, more accommodating stance as a, another form of betrayal yeah where the people who are oriented more towards accommodation and slow change minor battles leading up to something better they see the radicals as putting the whole thing in danger the of risk. being pulled down other than this issue of ideological purity comes up that's what comes up in the democratic race you know yes you know we have if you a don't lot want medicare that. if you don't want medicare for all then you're not a good democrat What's so interesting, and the debates just happened, so you saw little of them and I saw right. the majority of them is so fucking boring. But <laughs> I just heard him say, get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> no, you get off my lawn. No, it was my lawn first. I wanted people off this lawn back in 1972. <laughs> and I want all the people off my lawn, not just some of the people. That's right. <laughs> I want That's everybody right. off yeah. my lawn. Yeah. Oh, there's this great part in Hillary 
the miniseries talks about having to be in hair and makeup for an hour and a half. Wow. And she says, none of the other candidates had to do that. It's like, get out of the shower, towel dry my hair, and then I'm ready to go. So we see her coming from a hair and makeup session going to debate Bernie and uh, the other guy whose name I I want to say Mick Mulvaney, but that's not who uh, it was. You oh, know, I know who you mean. You know like who Miller I mean. Miller or something or McMillan yeah. or something. Yes, someone I and I, I liked him too. I actually yeah. liked him. But here's Hillary dressed yeah. dressed for success. Right. And glowing Bernie comes into frame and he says, What do you think? <laughs> buttoned or unbuttoned? She says, Well, you can button it. And then if you want to, you can unbutton it later. And she does everything but roll her eyes. And then it cuts to her present day. She goes, Bernie just drove me crazy. Yeah. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything in the Senate. Oh yeah, And he just, I'm so sorry that all these people got sucked in by him. And it was the most lively that she was in the course of what I saw. She's you know, not she doesn't have a fuck to exactly. give. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, this is the authenticity that maybe she couldn't afford to put on display when she was you a candidate. Right. Yes. You know, or her handlers wouldn't let her yeah. be real. It was a glorious moment, though. I mean, really, just seeing what she had to go through yeah. that the other people didn't have to go through. Buttoned and... or unbuttoned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, boomers, that's going to do it for us. There we go. Happy note. We'll think about when we don't have Trump in office anymore. Oh, that'll be nice. Good. And we won't have to wash our hands 13 times a day. That's right. I need some... Sanitizer? No, I need some... Aqua... What's that stuff called? The stuff I use all the time. It's called... Aquaphor? Yes, I need Aquaphor. <laughs> That's what I need for my hands because they're so dry. Oh, because they're chapped. being washed all, all the, the time. Washing. Washed all the time. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we'll make it. We will. Well, next week, we'll go week by week and see how we're doing. That's right. The coronavirus chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> it's just beginning. I love that. The Coronavirus Chronicles. Yeah. Maybe we should change from boomerangs to the Coronavirus Chronicles. Diary. Yeah, something yeah. like that. So far, so good. Love week one. We're, we're, week one, we're, we're clean. We're good. <laughs> we're good. Okay, boomers. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.